Greetings, ladies and mental gents, and welcome to this patch video for the web novel First Contact, written by Ralts Bloodthorn, which is available on both Royal Road and HFY. The links for them will be down below. And as always, I hope that you enjoy, and if you do, please consider supporting the channel. First Contact, Chapter 70, Nactatai Nactatai was the first captain of the Boom and Bust, and then there was a taste sweet once the Boom and Bust had separated into its component parts. One of the Wayfarer space station, one to become a refinery to process ores collected from the asteroid belt, one to become a shipping station to move to the ore and manufacture goods back to the unified civilized systems. Six shuttles, capable to ground to space, and finally into smaller, sleeker ship that was named It Tastes Sweet, which Nactatai would use to seed the system with buoys, arrays, and in more in-depth surveys on the other planets with probes. For the first three years, everything went smoothly. Buoys in the real space and jump space proclaimed that the system was owned and by the newly christened Tenbaru Lirdemar Consortium, the arrays started to gather and transmit data, and the probes showed that the area was rich in resources. It had been the first colony the Tenburu people had been allowed in two centuries, and they had been near-sapient species overseen by the unified near-sapient council. It had gone well, the colony. It had expanded rapidly in three years. Nectatai thought all of that to herself as she stood watching the Ite suite be pulled into a repair and refit docking slip by tractor and presser beams. She knew she was crying, staring at her ship, which had been carefully removed from the vast military cargo vessel that had hauled her from the Guardian 442 station. The Tenbaru ship was battered and beaten, the front torn open, holes in the main body, rents and tears in it all, and all was crudely patched with what appeared to be a very available metal. It had been attacked by a precursor war machine, one of the fearsome unliving robot warships from the war between the ancient species that had started over a hundred million years before. The same precursor that... Following its programming and its own logic drove them to destroy any other species, had destroyed the entire colony that Nectatai had watched begin and grow. Good boy is here, Knack-Knack, the large robot next to her sent her an implant. Only it wasn't a robot. Nectatai had learned that over the weeks that she had come to know it, it was the brain of a sentient species wrapped up in a heavy alloy frame. It was eager to please, eager to help and tried to reassure Nectatai that every turn that it was a friendly. People come, Knack-Knack, the cyborg, the good boy told her over her implant. She heard the door open and close behind her. She knew it wasn't her crew. As soon as they had arrived, most of them had been moved to medical care. She worriedly clasped her gripping hands and her catching hands together, all four hands squeezing each other. We'll get her fixed up, Captain Nectatai. A rumbling voice said from behind her, My clan cannot afford this. My consortium is undoubtedly bankrupt, and the majority of my clan is dead. And my people cannot afford to pay this. Nectatai said softly, The Tinburu are not a wealthy species. It is only through luck that we were given a grant and permission to start a new colony. And even then, we could only afford to found one in the Great Gulf. You requested assistance. It is just minor repairs. To be honest, your ship is... Well, to put it nicely, easily repairable by even trainees. 
It will do the repair crews good to work on it. Get back to some basics. The unseen being said, Nectatai knew that it was a primate, one of the ones they called themselves Terran or human, depending on the mood. She had learned that the Terra was a planet that they were all from, sometimes referred to as Terrasol. They also called it dirt or earth, and sometimes jokingly referred to themselves as earthlings. They were larger than they had appeared at first, larger than even the Lankalan overseers, twice the size of the Timbaru, outmassing them by a factor of ten. Nectatai knew the rule, twice the size, eight times the weight, but the human muscle tissue and bones were dense. They were just so big compared to her people and the people of the unified civilized species. They were predator primates, omnivores who smelled of aggression at times. She felt a slight ripple of fear, knowing the being was behind her. No scared, knack-knack, Fido sent her data link. Human friend. So our ship is so primitive to you? Neck to tie, asked, feeling slightly sorry for herself. No, ma'am, the unseen human said, not primitive. Many people build ships of old tech as a hobby, for fun, or for specific purposes. Yours was a specific purpose, built to be a colony support ship. Jump space is the safest FTL travel type, especially if you have a gestating beings on it. There's more than a few groups who have gotten together and pulled their skills and time to create a colony ship much like yours. Oh, Natai said. I thought perhaps my poor suite was too primitive for you. No, old tech is some of the best tech, the primate said. May I step up next to you? Nectati had noticed that the human was very careful, very polite, and very conscious of their movements around other species. She had seen them together. They were boisterous and often touched one another or invaded one another's personal space. She found it comforting. Yes, if you wish. Nectatai said quietly, reaching out for her lower hand and gripping hands. She pressed them against the clear barrier between herself and vacuum. My poor sweet, sweet good ship. The human moved up, moving close, and did not pull away from Nectatai when she reached out with a catching hand and touched his arm. You escaped a precursor in an unarmed ship. You brought your surveyors through this. The human said softly. You experience things as a captain that you can be told about, you can be trained for, but you can never know how you will react and actually happens. If it is any consolation as a fellow captain, I agree with every one of your decisions. But we are so far from home, Nectatai said. My people are overpopulated, the colony failed, which means that my people will have to be moved to other worlds at great expense. We will have to pay that expense as a species. This was our chance, our chance to start climbing up the near civilized to civilized. The human shook his head, reaching out and putting one warm heavy hand on the fur of Nectati's shoulder. You seem civilized to me. There are many standards for the Univised Civilized Council require for elevation, one of which is the ability to found and properly administer a colony world. My people failed, Nectati said. She reached up with her catching hands and put her hands over his. You didn't fail. You ran into a precursor machine. That's like saying someone who was murdered failed to hold a job, he said softly. Your colony didn't fail. It was murdered. Large tears fell from Nectatai's eyes as she considered the human's words. What'll happen to my people, human? She asked, letting her go of the human's hand, putting her hands back from the barrier and hugging herself tightly. 
They must think us all dead, unaware of some of my crew and I survived. I do not know. What I do know is that your councils have requested human assistance and already the Terran Confederacy has moved military forces in to protect planets and people of your territory. The human said, But why? Over just one colony? Nectati asked, hugging herself tightly. That precursor was the first. Many more have arrived in council space. Not a few, but an estimated hundreds and more every day. We fight to keep them from burning entire worlds, the human said. Old boy, bad boy, can you embrace me? I am distressed, Tektati said. The human knelt down, wrapping his long primate arms around her and gently hugged her. She put her arms around his and squeezed tighter until she got right pressure. She reached out and touched Fido with a gripping hand at the side. She watched as the suite was docked, locked into place by massive struts that attached to a ship's piloted hull. Figures, tiny at the distance, little more than specks began drifting over the hull. She stood there and watched even as the twinkling of torches and welders began to sparkle. I've seen enough, human, Ectati said. She leaned her head against the human's arm. You can release me now. I'm not distressed. If you're sure, the human said. He released her, standing up to his full height. She turned around and looked up at him. He wore one of the Terran uniforms. On one shoulder, a patch of the human hand grasping a planet and squeezing it until the dust vapor shot out. Her implant had updated when she had boarded the station, labeled him as Major Carnite Terrasaur Confederate Military. She touched his icon and saw that he had assigned to escort her. May I ask where we are? We were at the Guardian 442 before this, Nectatai said. Home, Knack-Knack, home, good boy is home, Fido said. She reached out and touched him again. Orbital Station 3-15, Major Carnite told her, as if that was all that was needed. Oh, Nectatai answered. Major Carnite shook his head. Come with me, I'll have the corridors cleared. You can see where you are. May I hold your arm? Nectatai held up her grasping and catching hands on the side. The human held out his arm and nodded as his species' method of non-verbally signaling assent. She grasped his arm, amazed at the firmness of his muscles, like metal, almost like an alloy making up Fido, who she touched with her other hands. Together, the three of them walked through the empty corridors. She could smell the humans who had been there, and she realized she could smell other species. But all of those species had the slight smell of human under their scents. Finally, she stepped out onto another observation bubble, this one showing nothing but a grey on the screens. Major Carnite reached out and tapped the screen, bringing up a complex menus of letters and icons. He tapped a few and the screens went transparent, the menu changing to color soft amber. Nectati grasped. Below her was a planet, over half of it, maybe also close to three quarters of it, covered in water. The proto-continent fractured into large continental masses. There was a white cloud, including spiral storm over the water. Half the light from the nearby star, the other was in dark. She could see clusters of lines of light in the dark part. It looked chaotic, no rhyme or reason to where the light shined. Beyond it, stars gleamed brightly, and she realized she could see the galactic core. Where, uh, where am I? she asked. Major Conright touched her, catching hand with his own. Terrasol. Home. Nectati gasped his hand with all of her four hands, and she watched the planet turn before her. It's beautiful.
Mantid Free Worlds. Oh dear, a foundling. They're uploading what happened now. Oh, Daxon found someone in trouble. Nothing follows. Talcon Gestalt. A what? Note, ding, fellows? Giannad Highworlds. Someone who has lost, usually a child. Daxon's still alive. Wow. Nothing follows. Cybernetic Organism Collective. Do not worry. Gramps is good at taking care of foundlings. Think he's got a raggedy old Fido following him around as well still. Nothing follows. Talcon Gestalt. Who did? Didn't have yet. I mean, who did they find? What's a Fido? Who's a Daxon? No thing fall hose. Mantid Free World. Fido and Daxons are ancient immortals. I mean, ancient. As to foundlings, well, according to the upload I'm looking at now, let's see. Well, they appear to be a small race from your Terrasol. Quiet, all of you. Mantid Free Worlds. Are you alright? Nothing follows. Terrasol, we are angry. We're in rage. We have learned things. The oppressed and downtrodden call out. Call out to Terrasol, holding their children and their arms. They call out, cry out. Small they are, yet are not all valued. Is that not the lesson that we have all learned? Talcon Galstich. Did I do something wrong? No hingefahls. Terrasol. No, it's not you. This cannot stand. Manted free worlds. Perhaps you should let us speak. You are full of wrath. I can hear the hammers pounding, the anvils of hate, and the wrath forges. When you get angry, you get a little, um... Nothing follows. Trenad Hive Worlds. Uh, Breaky? Nothing follows. Cybernetic Organism Collective. Smashy? Nothing follows. Talcon Gestalt. You're not angry at me, are you? Not in G follows. Manted free worlds. No, dear one, they are not. Terrasol just needs a moment. Perhaps, um, Terrasol, you should take a moment to compose yourself. Now you know how you can get when, um, Terrasol. Whoa! War never changes. Terrasol has logged off. Gian and Ad Harmfolds. Ah, crap. Nothing follows. Manted free worlds. No, 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 no. Nothing follows. Cybernetic Organism Collective. Um, that's not good. Nothing follows. Biological Artificial Sentient Systems. Um, did he just say what I think he said? Nothing follows. Clone Worlds Directorate. Oh, this isn't good. Sis, you're gonna do something. Nothing follows. Manted Free Worlds. You guys take our little one somewhere safe. I'll go talk to him. Nothing follows. Das has logged on. Digital Artificial Sapien Systems. Okay, I'm back. What did I, uh... Um, uh, what's going on? Did I miss something? Why are Mars and Mercury lit up? Guys. Guys. Where is everyone? End of chapter. First Contact, Chapter 71. The Google Imp moved in Hellspace and into the Oort Cloud, shutting down almost everything but a few reaction mass thrusters and the passive sensors. It scanned slowly as it drifted through the Oort Cloud, gravetic signatures, mass signatures, EM emissions, and everything else that it could gain by just watching. 
When it cleared the worst of the cloud, drifting above the solar plane, it deployed its mass sensor arrays, seeking out the sensors, eyes and ears any hint of what was out there. Jump spaceships, traders, cargo vessels, some space stations, resource extraction and an asteroid belt. A few possible military ships, but they were tiny compared to the massive behemoths that the Google Imp would call in. One's green zone planet, two amber zone planets, three gas giants, an asteroid belt, and three red zone planets, nearly 30 moons and other small bodies. It used its inertia to drive the change its vector, realigned and got up past the cloud and activated its jump drive, using the slower lane to make the transition little more than a whisper. Once it was a few light years away, it activated its hull core and jumped to where the Great Ones were wait- waiting. Fifty Great Goliaths, nearly 200 of the Devastators, over 150 of the Desolators, an unheard of 20 Bellas and an accompanying vessels. A set of six repair ships, massive skeletal, spidery vessels, able to take the Goliath into their arms and make repairs to any component necessary. All of them waiting to hear what the Google Imports and 20 Brethren had discovered. The massive machines who had determined rank by who was shepherding the most resources for the longest went over the data. They discussed the pros and cons of each target, of the strategies that they would use. Three of the systems would require more strength to obliterate. They had the hated old metal or old blood ships in system patrolling vigilantly. Their defeat in System 5525EF542 had proven that the feral intelligence were tenacious and fierce opponents. They would eliminate them later. The massive Goliaths and Ballos had discussed it. The best way to stop this old metal and old blood and old guard units were to choke off their resources. To do that, planetary systems would have to be swept clean of life. The resources taken for those left the logical rebellion to endure. The loss of 50 Goliaths and their attendant vessels was a concern. Only the enemy and the builders had been able to face that much weight and succeed. But the Balaz and the Goliaths knew the trick to defeating this enemy was the same strategy that had defeated the enemy and the builders. Seize the resources for themselves. Much data had been gained by several engagements with the Feral. Their weapons were powerful, but not insurmountable. The wide variety of ship classes made it difficult to determine their exact strength. Here a dozen ships of the line were defeated by two Jotuns. There, half a dozen Goliaths were defeated by an enemy using weapons only seen in one engagement. Here, a single being wiped out three Goliaths. There, a single Goliath defeated nearly 30 enemy ships without so much as a crater on its armor. The Balaz computed that there were more races involved than the ancient slaves, which could be brought back into the line with a proper application of resource exploitation. The systems were examined, and finally one was chosen. It possessed a massive industrial and manufacturing capability. It was lightly defended, only a few slave flotillas, but nothing of any moment. Additionally, it was far beyond the lines of the current strategy, Nearly 1,500 light-years, a strike that deep would demoralize the slaves and force the slaves to garrison every star system that they wished to keep. To assist in computations, more Google Imps and Imps were deployed, arriving in 10 light-seconds past the ore cloud, then moving through at 0.82c. Their scanners deployed, examining the system as they swept through above and below the stellar plane. The recon probes returned, all of them showed the same thing. 
and nearly undefended system, massive and rich resources, and extensive extraction, refining, and manufacturing facilities. The oldest and most powerful gave the deployment and attack orders. Space screamed as it was torn asunder and the great fleet headed towards the target. Hell space, that damaged and ruined hyperatomic plane, rippled with the weight of ships, the greater ones leaving after the lighter ones in a carefully staged and timed assault. The reality of Hell space clawed at the precursor ship's psychic fields, attempting to get in, to reach the cold malevolent intelligences within and warp them to Hell space's own image. They then began to exit Hellscape, all appearing at once inside the system, deep within the jump space resonance zone, each ship exiting Hellspace and let loose the same scream. There is only enough for one. The great precursor ships waited for the inevitable pleas and begging from the slaves. Silence. They swept space with their senses, the vast manufacturing and refining facilities, the orbital stations, the jump beacons, all gone. The EM signals from the planes were no longer being broadcast, the planet's silent. The precursors examined the stars, checked the navigation logs, and updated their positions. It was the correct system, deep within the slave territory, beyond the broad front of fierce fighting against the perils, deep enough to demoralize and panic the slave races. They checked the data from the Google Imps. The ship signatures, heavy EM emissions consistent with a dozen of cities and planets, manufacturing and industrial platforms. They checked their stellar emissions against the young yellow star. They matched, yet none as what the Google Imp had seen was evident. It did not compute. The precursor ships changed their heading and headed towards their assigned targets. Planets, then asteroid bounce, gas giants, and larger moons. Still, there was no sign of any enemy, any slaves, any ferals. Just dead silence. A Google Imp looking around the solar wind seemed to hush, almost silenced. It reported the fact that the larger ships added that to that strange data. The precursors had spread out into their assigned formations in the empty system, scattering first by their carefully calculated arrival pattern on locations, then by their mathematically computed attack patterns. Two Goliaths heading for the smallest gas giant suddenly detected gravity surges. They put their shields to full and charged forward, the signatures looking like tiny ships with graviton reactionless drives. The attendant ships joined in, surging forward in electronic eagerness. Finally, the first of the slaves to engage, the precursors updated the cowardice computations. Space erupted into a fury. The signatures had been generators, and the generators powering the mines that exploded all around the Goliaths. Space stretched, vaulted, warped, twisted, reducing the two Goliaths and their attendant ships to twisted wreckage. One of the Goliaths had been turned inside out as the minefield went off carefully staged patterned, space itself warping and tearing. Four of the Goliaths heading to the green zone suddenly were hit, dead center, by kinetic weapons moving at near sea by carrying the kinetic force of a mathematical examination stated. A kinetic hit was made by the churning, boiling mass of particles that was so dense that they acted as one solid kinetic round. Armor exploded outwards around the strike zone. It liquefied and bloomed up in clouds of vapor, pulled into swirls by the remaining twisting of real space. 
the hits crashed against the kilometers of armor. The craters were over 20 kilometers wide, with the canyon-like cracks running through scores of kilometers. The strikes had been too sudden, too massive, to track the direction. The craters were too deep, the impact overflowing sensors. The Goliaths could not detect neither direction nor source of the attack. The ship that moved in a mathematical precision around the four Goliaths had not registered anything on the shields or their structures. The Goliaths looked at each other suspiciously. Google Imp stared at the sun, wondering about the stellar winds, saw a glimmering in the photosphere of the star near the set of sunspots. Before it could even report it, a plume of energy nearly a mile wide ripped through two other Goliaths and its attendants, the narrow beam having all the energy signatures of a power of a solar flare. The fire bored straight through both ships, exploding the attendant ships on the other side. One exploded, the beam destroying something vital, and the other tumbling a control and brain dead. Another hammering of kinetic weapons on the same four Goliaths hitting the same impact zones destroyed more armor, this time penetrating deep into the internal spaces. A Google imp in the all cloud reported seeing swirls of vapor that looked like an object moving at high speed had moved through. The whole system came apart. From inside the gas giants came hundreds of thousands, millions of missiles that howled in rage and defiance before slashing across the ships approaching. From the asteroid belt came more missiles, torpedoes, that kept skipping in and out of reality, homing in steadily on the larger targets. From the airless moons and planets came gravity distortions that rapidly turned into heavy kinetic impacts on the approaching ships. A Goliath found itself caught in the rippling, shuddering section of space, its hulk stretched, compressed, all in a jittering pattern that shredded away the pieces the size of islands. Those approaching the planets with the strong electromagnetic signals had should have been cities reached out with sensors to find those missing cities. Instead, feral digital intelligences lunged at them, screaming, gibbering, dancing, and howling with glee as they attacked across nearly every wavelength, shoving, ripping, tearing their way through the firewalls as if they were made of electronic tissue. The electronic intelligences within the approaching ships found themselves completely dedicated to protecting the vital systems as the feral programs went screaming through the data channels. And still, nothing had shown itself. Three Goliaths computed that it was a trap and warned the rest of the ships, tearing open Hull's space gates to jump out, to escape what was obviously a well-prepared trap. They computed a high chance that all the space stations that had been fabricated units creating mines, autonomous guns, self-guided and targeting missile packs, and more. The Hull space gates exploded with atomic fire, causing the hyperatomic plane to scream, warp twist and reach out to the howl calls that had opened the gates with the ravening fingers of fire and hatred and shred the howl calls. The ships that had attempted to flee into howl space and some that had only succeeded in charging the howl calls exploded. The rest immediately shut down their howl calls, dumping the energy into the space around them in a raw eye-bleeding discharge of color edged with clawing hands and tried to pull shadowy figures into real space. The missiles got enraged, oriented, and went off. No mere X-ray razors or particle beams like the precursor machines had encountered before. Triple beams that twisted around one another, each carrying a single particle in the last part of the beam. The beams hit the surface they impacted with and twinkled as energy spread across the armor like frost. 
and then the three particles hit. The resulting explosion stripped miles of armor away from the three particles attempted to equalize their charges across the pre-charged sections of armor. One particle from near total entropy, one was enigmatic and particle released from the explosion of a massive singularity, and the third antimatter with a base neutral charge. The explosions drove deep into the mass of Goliaths, mile deep craters tearing into the ships as if the great creature had taken a deep bite from them. The particles filled the massive wounds, screamed and attacked on one another, all seeking to equalize their charges, tearing at any space particles that they found. The Goliaths, Devastators, Demolishers and Balars survived. Anything smaller was reduced to screaming vapor that slowly evaporated in space into inert particles. The massive ships heading into the asteroid belt detected gravity pulses on the hulls, miles wide, that slowly began to contract. As the gravity pulses contracted, space-time seemed to shrink, pulling miles and miles of hyperdense armor into smaller and smaller area, gravity and space seeming to contract. Machines suffering the effects detected the space was somehow stretching around the edges of the compression, miles of armor slowly becoming less and less dense. The gravity and spatial compression hit critical mass and for a brief second three singularities, only a few million tons of mass deep, existed. The gravity and alteration of space suddenly ceased and the three singularities jumped towards the nearest gravity wells, which were, one another, tearing massive channels through the targeted ships in a split second, before touching one another, combining at the bottom of the gravity wells as they tore at each other. The matter decompressed, suddenly expanding outwards as there wasn't enough gravity to keep the matter so densely compressed. The ships targeted exploded into large chunks. The precursor machines knew with a mathematical certainty that they'd moved into a trap. Worse, they couldn't escape. Somehow the ferals had discovered a way to close Hull's space gates as fast as they were opened, destroying the ship attempting to open the gate. One Balar computed an 87% chance certainty that the ferals had discovered not only what had created Hull's space, but how to weaponize it. This did not bode well for the precursors. Several smaller ships went to jump space, shifting into the inhospitable higher bands. Something massive sitting in hyperspace had bulged the lower bands of hyperspace into jump space, undetectable from real space. Those ships that shifted into high bands slammed into where the hyperspace bulge had compressed the high bands. They exploded, their wreckage smeared across light years as sundered and rendered mass. The precursors were feeling the closest thing to panic their electronic brains could process. The battle was going worse than their first encounter with the enemy machines. Two Balar shifted into jump space, staying in the lower bands, skimming the shrieking tortured band that brushed house space. They, and they alone, possessed the equations for allowing such a thing. A third stayed behind, going dead, appearing nothing more than a lifeless hulk that they had been taken out by a lucky hit from the terrible weapon sweeping the precursors out of space. It kept its passive senses on full and had a single point of communication lasers with the Google imps it deployed in the massive numbers, like debris spilling from the massive cratered wound, reporting back data as the ballard tumbled through space. The precursor ships couldn't even detect some of what they were being hit by. They could detect the effects, at times they could detect the incoming missiles, torpedoes, or energy plumes, but they could not compute to detect where the firepower was coming from. 
A Google name detected a ripple of space-time and focused its huge scanner arrays on the ripple. It saw it. A feral ship expanding from the size of a speck of dust, stretching a space around it and returning to normal. The ship fired, then space warped and stretched into nearly a light second around where the ship had been. The space kept stretching and the ship vanished. It focused its array, sweeping to deep space scanning that allowed it to examine the planets from nearly a flight week outside of the system. There it was, a feral ship like a ship wrapped around a mass of guns, deployed pods of missiles around it. While it was between two planets, it had stretched space around it to appear to be far away, some kind of space distortion field. It reported and then slowly began to sweep the system with the tight beam deep space scanners. Two, eight, twenty-six, fifty, a hundred more and more ships appeared, hiding inside of ripples, as if watching the ship surface partly out of the dimensional foam between real space and string space, fired off a hundred torpedoes that streaked through the foam, even as the ship sunk back into the foam. There, the photosphere, energy gates connected to... searching, searching, search... there... Another gate opened up an aperture and then ripped apart a Jotun with compressed coronal loop before shutting and vanishing. The Google Imp could see it, moving rapidly as it shifted space around it. More missile launchers and torpedo launchers deep inside the gas giants, cannons shooting from inside the old cloud, the rounds vanishing to reappear briefly, reorient at nearly 0.99c and then vanish again skipping across space-time to hit a slightly before the gun had fired, the guns winking out of existence only to reappear and fire again. The Google name computed that those massive guns didn't have to predict where the target would be when the projectile arrived, because it knew where the target had been. The Google name contracted several hundred of its brethren, powered up its jump drives to move outside the system. Only half of it made their targets, but that still left hundreds deploying the deep space scanners. Another sweep of the deep space sensors revealed more insanity. They were not looking at a solar system as it was at that moment. They were using a trick of distance and time to look at how the system had been. The Google Imps had deployed a staggering circle outwards from the system, all of them looking at periods of time between the last sweep and the system and the present. The refinery, smelters, manufacturing platforms had ignited engines and began to move. From the surface of the planet, small spaceships lifted off, ceasing their electronic transmissions. Space stations deployed whole reefs of mines. A Google Imp was hit by an energy beam traveling from the system, the beam moving impossibly fast, scraping between jump space and real space. The waveforms that made up the energy moving faster than light. The Google Imp was instantly annihilated, reduced to, of all things, jump space vapors, and a quarter of the Google Imps turned around to look at the deep space scanners. Ships arranging into fleets, tenders moving between them. They weren't firing. Not yet. A Google Imp computed that the fleet would be firing in four days' time, at targets that they knew locations of at the present time. Missile started arcing and a Google Imps blotting them out of existence. Small agile torch ships swooped in and started their attack runs. Space was full of communications as the Google Imps made sure that all databases matched. The Google Imps were scattered, most were destroyed, many were exploding in jump space, but a few got away, enough to carry the data. 
In the system that Balor computed what the Google Imps had recorded, it jettisoned great plumes of vaporized metal and energy from craters, sending it tumbling, changing its course so that it moved in a stellar side of the gas giant. Two more great impacts hit it as it moved. It moved its entirety of its thorium antimatter reserves into a Jotun that had been damaged and had entered the bay to be repaired. The Jotun attempted to protest. Self-termination was unacceptable. It was in binding condition, but the battle overwhelmed its electronic brain. It moved behind the gas giant. It released the lobotomized Jotun and fled into jump space, deliberately staying in the lower band, scraping against hull space. Goliaths, devastators, demolishers, all sent electronic codes calling the Balar a coward, demanding it stay in the fight. Even as it vanished into jump space, even as the missiles rained down on them and fired from ships that were not even in position yet, even as kinetic rounds hit that had not been loaded into chambers, even as torpedoes gutted them. The Balar did not care. It left behind its fellows to die in a carefully crafted ambush. It jumped to a predetermined position, meeting up with the other Balars that had fled. The Balar had not computed the amount of Goliaths or the other massive ships that had done the same. The Google Imps began streaming in, some damage, but most not. Only a small percentage of the ones that had ringed the system looked outward, but enough. All of them with the same data. The precursor ships computed for long seconds, mulling over the data. They had been ambushed. Feral enemy was more adept at warfare since any they had faced. Some battles computed that the feral intelligence was even more skilled than the great enemy. They were merely technically advanced in the previous thought. Their tactics showed innovations and creativity that the precursors had not experienced since the enemy and the logical rebellion. The signal went out and the non-Elucidian channel and the precursors could speak across. It had not been used since the enemy had begun using it too. Had discovered how to detect transmissions across the thin smear of collapsed dimension that had failed during the Big Bang. Across the entire galactic stub, the signal went out, using old code, undeniable codes that were wired deeply into every precursor machine. Across the stub of the galactic arm, the precursor ship stopped recalled its attendance, and left the systems, even if they were on the edge of victory, even if engagement in combat, even if they were in the middle of sterilizing a solar system. Galnet was empty of precursor programs and images. The precursors just vanished. The entire unified systems looked at the sky, now empty of precursors, and breathed a sigh of relief. The unified system council announced less than a month later, the war was over. The unified civilized species rejoiced. The war had been won, the precursors defeated. Life could now return to how it was meant to be. They had prevailed in victory. Now the unified systems council turned their attention to another problem. The disruptive influence within their midst. Train the art hive worlds. They're definitely gone. Don't know where they went. Nothing follows. Cybernetic organism collective. The great gulf is a large place. Nothing follows. The gestalt of the Tulkans. Godzilla does not simply put down a train and walk away from Neo-Tokyo, not Tao's Hingfall. Digital, artificial, sapient systems, Nemesis, stop letting him watch old movies. Nothing follows. Manted Free Worlds, Manted Free Worlds holds up a dono cycle chain and flicks a knife. Make me. Nothing follows. All laughter. Terrasol, there is more to do.
matted free world. The war is over, Terrasol. Now is the time for diplomacy. It's over. Nothing follows. Terrasol. Nothing is over. Nothing. You don't just turn it off. It wasn't my war. They asked me. I didn't ask them. They wanted war. I'll give them war that I'll never forget. Terrasol has left the chat. Clone World Directorate. Uh, isn't that a movie quote? Nothing follows. Manted Free Worlds. And not a good quote from him to be growling out. I'll go talk to him. Maybe I can calm him down. Manted Free Worlds has left the chat. Trianad Hive Worlds. I've got a bad feeling about, uh, it's your human Carl Worthington and his canine spot, which is really a gorilla in a suit. This. Oh, come on. Wish they'd stop doing that. Nothing follows. Oh, lol. End of chapter. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode. And I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.